So as I was saying, we are starting this series through the book of Ephesians. It's a few more chapters than our Galatians series. So I kind of have a hope uh, in the next 12 months, you will have gone through all the Pauline epistles because Paul is important. Uh, and what he has to say is challenging to the modern church today. So today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and asking the question, what God has done. What has God done in our lives this morning, fam, church family? So let us pray. Almighty God, as we read through uh, the beginning of this Pauline epistle, the book of Ephesians, to the church of Ephesus, God, may we apply these words to our lives, to our church, and to the ministry you have entrusted us with as a congregation. God, be with us in Christ's name. Amen. So God frees us from slavery of sin. So we have three points this morning for you. How does God do that? How does God free us from the slavery of sin? Now, we had a few sermons on this, right? We had uh, the freedom of the Christian we discussed, which kind of paralleled Luther's writing, the freedom of the Christian. But really, we have three points. He elected us, he redeemed us, and he sealed us. So I'm going to give you all three up front. Because they're important. Again, the, the church in Ephesus uh, was not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, there's no perfect church, okay? I don't care if you go to every church in Dundalk. There is going to be faults and differences in every congregation. Now, why? Because the church is made up of sinners, human beings, right? We're a church family. We're imperfect. Now, this is the opposite message of some contemporary preaching today. In fact, I was sent one last night by a pastor friend who said, what theology is this? They don't want us to claim our sin because then we're claiming it on ourselves. But the truth is, our sin has been claimed on us from the beginning of our creation. From the beginning of humanity, we are sinners in the eyes of the Lord. That is how the Lord sees us, is sinners. But praise be to God, he sees us as sinners and not perfect people, because then what would be the point of Jesus coming and dying on the cross? Now, it could sound very depressing if we keep claiming our sins in our lives, but how else are we supposed to have repentance? If we don't acknowledge our own sin in our lives, and say, Lord, I did A, B, and C this week. Forgive me. How, why would I ever go before Jesus and ask for forgiveness? We have to acknowledge that we are sinners. But as we read through Paul's opening statements here, right, he says, to God's holy people who serve the church faithfully in Ephesus. Paul reminds them, first of all, as he always does, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's by Jesus' authority that Paul is writing. It's not by his own authority, it is by his. Second of all, he gives the assumption that those in the church of Ephesus are, key word, faithful followers of Christ. He sets the tone that the people of the church are faithful believers of Jesus. 
And if you remember my sermon last week, or the week before, they start running together for me too, 60-something sermons a year. I discussed Hebrews 11, that people are faithful, right? That the leaders of the early church were faithful. And how we as believers of Christ, at first Evangelical Lutheran Church of Great Manor, are to be faithful, devoted, quoting Acts, disciples of Jesus. So let's hear this. This is what Paul would tell us if he was writing to us. So to God's holy people at First Lutheran Church, I don't think he would say the whole name. The faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he would address us. As faithful people of Jesus Christ. And to be faithful people of Jesus Christ, we have to behave and look like faithful people of Jesus Christ. At least we try our hardest. Again, we just talked about our messed up selves, right? So in order to do that, the first thing is we have to accept that God has elected us. Now, I don't know about you guys. What do you guys feel that the word elected means? Chosen. You have a job. Okay. Anything else? Picked out from the rest. Okay. So this was a hard word for me, okay, as a young believer of Jesus. And the theology that I grew up, not that it was all wrong, but I'm like, the word elected was like red flag. I don't want to talk about it. Let's just avoid the word. So I'm going to explain how my Christian doctrine professor explained this to me as an undergraduate at the Baptist Seminary. And I still remember what he had to say about Lutherans. This is what Lutherans believe, okay? Lutherans believe that there is a bus coming in front of the church here, right? And anybody that gets on that bus is part of the elected, right? So therefore, God doesn't pre... It's called double predestination, right? He doesn't elect some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. When you acknowledge Jesus into your life, you have become part of the elect, part of the frozen chosen by God, okay? You have God on the bus to heaven. That is what the elect means in a Lutheran context, okay? Uh, so it is. It means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So all those things that you said, the chosen, um, God has chosen us. Yes. We ha and then we're going to go into that. I'm skipping my sermon here. So, for he chose us and him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So I want you to reflect on that right now. He chose us before creation of the world to be holy and blameless. So it's not just he chose us if he God. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. So again, that whole actions conversation, that as believers of Jesus, we should have an outward expression of our inward faith. So we have been saved by the Lord. We have been freed from our sin. And we should be, if you remember, little Jesuses to our communities. We should show the love of God through our actions, that people should come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by the way that you treat them. Now, it's word and action, right? Um, 
I don't totally agree with it. Again, totally different tradition. But I saw something online that essentially this one guy went up to an Amish man and said, uh, are, are you a Christian? And the Amish man said, you'll have to ask my neighbor, right? You'll have to ask my neighbor, am I a Christian? So again, friends, these verses to me summarize the love of God. That before the foundations of the world, Jesus, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, had a plan. That he knew, he didn't make us, but he knew that we would sin. That the Garden of Eden would only be a temporary situation for humanity. So he came up with a plan that we as Gentile believers would be able to be elected as part of the family of God, that we would be grafted into the family, that for our salvation, that we would be freed so we would not go to hell. And we do that through belief or acknowledgement. I've got to be careful here acknowledgement of Jesus Christ and what he did for our lives, all right? So I hope all of us this morning, first of all, have acknowledged the love of God in your life, have said to God, not just through the words up here on the screen, God, I'm, I'm humbly sorry for my sins and transgressions. I'm sorry that I, whatever sin you have in your life, right? Envy, hate, uh, murder, because right, Jesus says if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder, right? All these things, that you have given those up before Jesus. And it doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. We have to, on a regular basis, go before Jesus and confess our sins. To become part of God's elected people, to be a part of the family of Jesus. Again, this is a hard word for me. Elect. We've been elected. We've been chosen by the Lord for a purpose of good and not evil. To make a difference in this world. To bring others into a saving relationship with Jesus. So secondly, he redeemed us. In him we have redemption through the blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times of their reach their fulfillment, to bring unity in all things on heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, I just want to pause here. It's about the will of God. And I'm thinking to myself, the unity of all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And this is not in the sermon notes. But if we were to look at that scripture and we were to think, look at this crazy world we live in. So many different opinions, ideas, philosophies. But for all of us, to be in unity together, the beauty, and also me wondering how in the world, God, is that ever going to happen, right? I mean, 
we've spoke about it. There's 20,000 Christian denominations. So we got that going on. That's a lot of division right there. So even within the Christian world, we have division and it's ongoing. We had divisions in local churches. We have divisions in leadership. Our governments are divided. Why are governments divided? Because people are out for selfish desires, as we read in our prayers this morning. God, free us from selfish desires. Free us from envy and hate and all these things. But the scripture, Paul tells us that at some point, all of us will be unified under Christ, under heaven and on earth. On earth as it is in heaven, friends. In him we are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in the conformity with purpose of his will. Again, the Lord will work it out. We probably won't. In order that we who were first put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So again, through the election that we just discussed, he wiped away our sins and paid our ransom. You guys know the hymn, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. The all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Our sin has left a crimson stain, friends. God can tell. God can tell our sin. But he has truly wiped it white as snow. We owe our redemption, our redemption to Christ, our freedom to Christ. But could you imagine, friends, if Jesus that night before he was betrayed, if he would have snuck off to somewhere to not do the will of the Father, because Jesus said what? Not my will, but yours. So how do we truly be like Jesus in that moment? God, not my will, but yours. Every day of our life, how do we do that? How do we make those radical choices? But Jesus not only redeemed us, right? In our Apostles' Creed that we read, it says, he descended into hell. He descended into hell. Because you you got to think, well, what about all these people that died before Jesus died and didn't have a chance because obviously they couldn't keep the 600 and, what is it, 611 laws. I'd have to go back and count them. They couldn't do that. Are they all condemned to hell? No, Jesus redeemed us all for our sins and our trespasses. Before the foundations of the world, because in Mark 10.45 it tells us this, for the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. We have been liberated in the body of Jesus Christ. In his blood, we have been set free. We have been redeemed to liberate us from the slavery that we owe, friends. That we have the opportunity in this life to serve the kingdom of God. So, friends, are we living as elected, redeemed people? Now, if I'm, if I'm an elected to a position, 
of authority or power or whatever it is, right? Or if I'm elected, hopefully. In the church, it's quite the opposite. We are elected to positions of humility and servanthood. Because Jesus came to serve, not be served. So if we are serving as Christ's followers, what does that look like in our lives? How does that change the church, friends? You guys remember the guy Martin Luther, right? You guys, you guys know who that is? I got, I got people awake this morning. All right, so we know that he was angry at the church. He was, and it's quite apparent in our Lutheran world, because we, we can get really angry and really stuck on some things, okay? It's just who we are. It's that old joke, how many Lutherans it takes to change a light bulb, right? Right? Lots of us, because we all have a different opinion. But the point here is that Luther was angry that the Roman Catholic Church at that time period, now we're in 2021, I'm not judging them currently, was so fixated on the people serving them, giving their last dime to get that indulgence so they can go to heaven. Right? All of those things. And we as a church have to look back at history and say, are we living into the church that was changed? A church that went back to that servanthood mentality and servanthood philosophy that Jesus gave us. How are we collectively serving not ourselves, but Christ in the world? How are we being servant leaders? How are we free from the sins of the world, free from the bondage that we have? Have we acknowledged that free gift given to us in Christ? Because when we do, friends, Jesus seals us. He seals us. It says 13, 14 tells us this. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, now hear that. That's not my words. It's, it's, it's Paul's. When you believe, you are marked in him with a seal. The promise of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise of his glory. See, faith comes by hearing the word of God and having acknowledged Christ. And then as believers of Jesus, we are sealed as members of God's holy family through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In each of us this morning, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the freedom and the gift given to us. It tells us right here in Scripture. Our sinful selves has the Holy Spirit as our seal. Now, and I really loved... And I think I've shared this. We're going to have that baptism here at 11 o'clock. And I love the imagery of God, the sign of God being the water of baptism and the seal of the baptism of the baby. That, that baby has been sealed as a member of Christ's holy family. 
And the first time I ever heard this was, was actually a Presbyterian pastor. He said, this is a sign and seal of God's holy work in the world. So we're going to seal that baby in Christ's holy family today. But each of us this morning, as, as we believed, have the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17 backs this up for us. So faith comes from listening, but it's listening by the means of Christ's message. In the ancient world, the seal was a personal sign of the owner or one who sent the important document. It was proof that it hadn't been messed with. So if I would send, a, a, I don't know, one of those old chests full of money, right, and then I put my seal on it, the person receiving it understood that I'm guaranteeing that they're getting all of their money, right? I'm guaranteeing it. It's my word. So it's God's word through the Holy Spirit that we have been sealed as believers of Christ. So, friends, how do you see the Holy Spirit working in your lives this morning? Do you see the gifts and graces the Holy Spirit has given you? Do you have that little voice in your head when you know something's right or wrong, maybe? Has the Spirit ever led you to do something that you're scared of? Has the Holy Spirit ever spoken to you in those moments of crisis and those moments of celebration? Are you grateful? Are you grateful for the work of God this morning? When things seem impossible and He works it all out? How are we signed, sealed, and delivered as followers of Jesus? Are we living as people signed by the blood of the new and everlasting covenant with Jesus this morning? So we ask this question. What have I done for Have I acknowledged the salvation he offers in our lives? It's never too late. Am I serving him faithfully in the church? Am I living a holy life? Or at least trying to. Am I trying not to lie, not to have envy, not to cause division, to, to love people, to embrace people where they are? Am I doing all those things? Am I living into my election as God's chosen people? Remember, we're elected in humility to be followers of Jesus. Am I living as a person who's been redeemed by the blood, striving every day to do so? Am I excited and, and happy and embracing the Lord, feeling me with the gift of the Holy Spirit? Or do I have some work to do? Do we all have some work to do? I think so. I have some work to do. And if we do have some work to do, what specifically in our lives do we need to ask the Holy Spirit to work on? I told you this last week. If you're struggling in an area of your faith, the best thing to do is to go before Jesus. To go before the cross. Go before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help me with this area of my life. I am really struggling. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will work on you. 
It may not be how you expect. Again, it goes back. It's kind of a joke at this point, but, you know, it's like when you ask God, God, I struggle with patience. He gives you things to be patient about, right? Has anybody ever experienced this? If not, I'm going to start praying for patience for the whole congregation. And I'll give everybody here something to be patient about. So, what are those things that you can't do on your own? How can you grow this morning in your faith? Because ultimately, friends, nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, help us understand, God, that you have elected us. God, that you have redeemed us and you have sealed us in the new and everlasting covenant. God, through your blood, through your redemption, God, from the beginning of time and our sinful behaviors and sinful selves, God, you have chosen to love us right where we are. God, that we could serve your kingdom for you, to bring others to have an everlasting relationship with you, God, that one day we will see them God, beyond this earth, God, in your home and in heaven, and God, be with us as a church as we do our best to follow your will. God, in unity, as Paul tells us, in unity of the Spirit. God, because it's not about our wills, can you tell us this morning, it's about your will. So help us follow your will every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.